Welcome to the Resilient Joy Podcast. I'm your host, Danae Peterson. I'm so glad you're here and I hope you can find value in what I bring to you here on the podcast. I'm here to teach you to release perfectionism, conquer anxiety and depression, and build confidence and resilience habits so you can handle all of life's ups and downs. So what do you say? Let's get started. Welcome back. I am here just hiding out and I've been struggling with the audio for the last little bit trying to get it to work. So we're going to try and record this one episode today. Um, I've actually had some requests from people who happened to see my stories the other day after I had done some therapy and I was just talking a little bit about some of the things I had been thinking about and some of the things that kind of I had come to conclude during this session. Um, So to kind of start this off, let me explain the title. So there's a a part in the fifth Harry Potter, um, the fifth Harry Potter book where Hermione Granger is talking to Harry Potter and she is talking to Harry about his experience kissing Cho Chang for the first time. And she's explaining all of these complicated feelings that Cho has to be feeling around grief of um, Cedric Diggory dying for the previous book. And she's explaining all of these things and how complicated her feelings must be around Harry and why it's totally, totally understandable that she would have been crying and like just a sobbing emotional mess when she tried to kiss Harry for the first time. And Ron, basically, he responds to this and says, um, one person can't feel all that at once. They'd explode. And her response is just because you've got the emotional range of a teaspoon doesn't mean we all have. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this and just, I know I've talked a lot about emotions and part of that is just because this is what I am processing. This is what I'm thinking about right now. Um, but I want to just affirm to, to you, if you're listening, um, that, you're allowed to have a lot of emotions. They're allowed to be complicated and you actually don't have the emotional range of a teaspoon. If you did, you would probably explode like all the time. Uh, so we've talked a lot about like feeling our feelings over here on the, on the podcast and how this actually just helps us to process things, process the hard things that we're going through and like move forward. So we don't get stuck. Um, and that's been something that I've really been working on just in therapy and everything. So you don't have the emotional range of a teaspoon. You're going to be okay um, to feel your feelings. But today I want to talk about uh, kind of a, a set of feelings that I have had that have been really, really complicated and big, um, and I'm still largely working through them. Um, and so one of the things I want to talk about first is, so I'm doing EMDR therapy. And so my therapist is basically helping me go to a safe place, like, you know, be in a safe environment and in a a comfortable environment and just kind of help me go to visit some of these big, complicated emotions and then allow my body to like fully feel them. Because a lot of times, you know, like I've talked about before, a lot of times we're stifling these feelings. We're numbing them. We're kind of avoiding feeling them in the first place. And when we do that, they kind of tend to build up in our bodies is kind of the theory behind EMDR. And so EMDR helps to release those and helps you fully process them so that you don't get stuck in these kind of thought and emotional patterns over and over and over again, based on some of the trauma that you've been through. Cancer diagnosis, trauma, just, you know, FYI. Um, so one of the things she talked to me about is how, you know, sometimes we have a thought and it's, it's something called an intrusive thought is what my psychiatrist told me years and years ago. And he said, you know, sometimes we have an intrusive thought and 
this intrusive thought kind of is it's easy to manage right so for an, an, an example would be when my baby is crying right when I have a newborn baby um as a new mom, this was a little harder for me to turn around, but like over time, as I had more kids, I kind of was able to have this thought come in of like, oh my gosh, my baby's crying. What am I doing wrong? Like, right. What's wrong with me? Because my baby's crying. Something must be wrong with me as a mom. I'm, I'm inadequate. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Those were kind of the cycles that I would start to go through. And over time, I was able to kind of understand as a mom, just because you grow as a mom. And I was able to understand that like, it's a little more complicated than that. Um, it's not just about me. My baby has needs and crying is the way that they communicate it. And so it became easier when that thought came up of like, like the anxious feeling, my baby's crying. What am I doing wrong? I could then talk to that thought and I could immediately say, "Mm, no, you know, it's not because I'm doing something wrong. My baby's just sad. Babies are, babies are sad. Babies cry to tell us what they need. And Um, that was easy to like kind of flip the switch super fast, but until I was able to like get into that thought pattern and like really accept that thought that babies just cry and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me as a person, um, that was kind of a temporary bandaid until it, you know, wasn't. And so she talked about how EMDR helps take it from a temporary thought switch where you can logically tell yourself like, well, this is what would be more helpful to think about or to dwell on, right? This would be more helpful, but it's a band-aid because what happens is you enter an emotionally triggering situation again, and then the old thought comes right back up and it spirals around and you kind of get stuck in it for a little while until you're able to flip the switch again. So she talks about how EMDR, it helps you to sit with those thoughts long enough for them to actually cycle themselves out and to reprogram them you know, mentally in your brain, like in a way that is serving you and in a way that is helpful. And instead of you kind of logically coming to the conclusion, you're really just allowing space for this, this thought to exist in the first place. And just like not making it wrong that you're thinking these, these limiting thoughts or these, these worrisome thoughts, and you're just accepting that they're there and that they need to be heard. Um, and when you allow them to be heard. A lot of times there's some emotion that rises up with that. And the allowing of that emotion is what allows your body to fully process the thought, fully process the trauma behind the thought, and to then kind of rewrite the story, so to speak. So as I was doing an EMDR session, uh, this last time that I had a session, we were kind of confronting this, this fear that I have around cancer and this fear of the unknown. And I was just sitting with this thought of like, you know, I'm stuck. And, um, you know, what if my kids aren't okay? Like after, after the, you know, really just, I I have no idea what's going to happen, but sometimes it gets to a a place. I get to a place where I feel really hopeless sometimes. And I have to like be okay to like not make that wrong, but also to just not live there. Um, so we were, you know, taking some time to allow for this thought, this anxious thought of what if my kids aren't okay and they don't know how to process this. Um, you know, if I do, end up having more cancer that spreads and pass away in the future. And I had to really just sit with that. And it was really uncomfortable. I had, I had a lot of emotions come up. Um, just a lot of like sadness and worry and all of those different things. But by the time we had done um, a few cycles of EMDR where you're doing some tapping and you're like kind of feeling these emotions and I'm just going to pull out a journal that I wrote in. By the time we had finished doing this, um, I had kind of allowed that thought to run its course 
and it wasn't coming up in the same ways anymore. And instead, it was replaced in my brain by this thought of like, holy crap, I'm never, I'm never going to be able to prepare them to lose their mom. Like, that's just, that's not something you can prepare someone for. Um, And that was like a, you know, a humbling and a tricky kind of emotionally space, you know, an emotional space to be in to like accept that. And so that, that was the conclusion that I came to is just that, um, that I have to allow myself to feel afraid and, and to be afraid of what could happen, you know, if I die, obviously that's, it's a, it's a big fear. Um, and it really, it paralyzes me to think of like how hard it would be for my three kids to, to like experience that loss. But I actually have zero control over exactly what happens in my life and exactly how this cancer behaves if it does or doesn't spread. And so I just had this realization that really there's absolutely nothing I can do to prepare my kids for losing their mom. And it really, it doesn't matter if, if it happens now, like, you know, sometime, like if I were to get into a car accident or anything like that, like I can't prepare them to lose me on that level at any point. They're always, like, it's always going to be a hard thing for them to experience. And so I decided to kind of after having this, this realization that like, I can't, I can't prepare them in any way, but what I can do is I can make sure that they know by my example, by me talking with them about it, um, just about feeling our feelings and things like that. I can make sure that they do know that a, they, they can get help, you know, if they're having hard emotions, they can get help. But that when you do feel hard feelings, that it's okay for them to feel hard. Um, so I, I'm just going to read just because it's going to make my brain work faster before I have to go do kid pickup. <laughs> um, so I, I just wrote in a journal entry to one of my kids. I just said, I had the realization that there really is nothing I can do that will prepare you to lose me or to experience that kind of a loss. You will have to feel the feelings. No matter what happens or when it happens, you know, whether I'm 10 years older than I am now or whether I'm 98, um, there's really no timeline for, for that and no right way to do that for the grieving process. Um, whether you experience that loss at a young age, um, because of the cancer diagnosis that I got, or because your dad and I simply pass away of old age, it's going to hurt because loss hurts. Sadness, grief, anger, denial, none of them are wrong. The only wrong thing to do with an emotion is to refuse to feel it. I can, I can prepare you, teach you to feel your feelings and tell you that your feelings are all valid. None of them None of them are invalid and they all deserve space to be felt and to be heard. But feeling your feelings about a loss that you experience and you will navigate grief, you know, at various times in your life, feeling those feelings, it's a hard and challenging emotion. Um, And I hope that I can give you the gift and the example to help you know that you can navigate any big or small feelings that you experience as a young kid and as you grow But hopefully, even if I screw that part up as a parent, because, you know, we're all really good at that as parents, you can come back to this. And some days you wade through the big feelings and you wade through them on your own. If that happens, that's wonderful. But if other times they're too big to hold alone, just know that you can always ask for help. 
or lean on others for support. Um, No one has to do it alone or all the time. We weren't meant to, and we're not built. You know, as human beings, we are connected beings. We need connection, Um, and we're not made. We're not made to do it alone. So that was just a quick little letter that I wrote um, in a journal. Side note, you know, past some of this emotion, (laughs) when my kids were born, I, well, I think it was when Joshua was born, um, maybe around his first birthday, I had decided that I wanted to start writing in a journal um, on every birthday. I cannot say that I've done that every year for each of my kids, but I have been trying to just be more aware of, of the fact that I can, I can journal some of these things. So, you know, as a mom of young kids, sometimes I have, I have some big feelings and some things that I want to convey to them or things that I want them to know that I was feeling as a mom at certain points in their life. Um, whether it was when they were born or um, when they turned one or when they went to school for the first time, when they were potty trained, when um, they learned how to ride their bike, like any of those kinds of things. And I haven't, I haven't written down thoughts about every single thing, every single time, but I do like having this place where I can just go and I can write a little note to them um, about how the day went or just whatever I want to write about. And that one day, I guess my, my plan is that I won't, I don't think I'll give this to them until, until I die. Like, hopefully that's a very, very long ways away, but I would love to just be able to record, you know, my thoughts and feelings for them to read later. Um, and a friend of mine, we were talking about this and how cool, how cool that would be like as a, as a kid to then be a parent yourself. Um, and just how validating, how validating that could be to know, you know, that your parent felt all kinds of these, um, these complicated emotions too. And that, you know, like that would, that would just totally validate any of the things that we experience or that they would experience later in life. Um, so, (sighs) okay. I hope that this was helpful, like just some helpful thoughts to think about around grief. If you're, you know, if you're grieving something, whether it's that you're grieving lost expectations or that you're grieving um, the loss or the worry of loss about a potential loved one, um, you know, just, just know that like (laughs) these feelings are allowed to be complicated. They're allowed to be big. They're not meant to be handled alone. Um, You can always reach out for support from a support system, from, um, mental health professionals who can help you in processing those. Um, I just, I really feel, I feel very, very much more at peace, I think, from kind of coming to that conclusion. And so I'm kind of working on allowing that thought to be the one that comes up the most instead of dwelling on the fear and the what ifs. And just like kind of trusting that like, you know, I have, I have control over the things that I teach my kids now. And I can teach them how to be the most resilient human beings as possible, but I can't feel their feelings for them ever. That no matter what happens, whether it's a a fall down on their bike because they get hurt um, or the first time that, you know, a friend calls them a mean name, like I can't protect them from feeling their feelings. Um, I can just make sure that they know that their feelings are valid and that they're allowed to feel them and that it's okay. So anyway, um, thank you for listening. Make sure if you have a minute, if you found this helpful, please feel free to share it on social media um, and your stories. You can screenshot uh, a caption or you can um, screenshot like a video of 
part of the podcast that you found helpful and just send it out to the world. I would love to make sure that more people hear this, um, this podcast and thank you for being here for my, I think this is my 10th episode. If I'm correct, I could be counting wrong, but I think this is episode 10. So thanks for hanging out with me for 10 episodes. Thank you so much for joining me on the Resilient Joy podcast. Be sure to subscribe, share your favorite moment with your tribe on Instagram, tag me at myjoyfitjourney, and if you have a moment, leave me a brief review. Until next time, keep creating your pockets of joy every day.